Let me get a 10-piece hot, extra crispy, extra wet. Let me get a blue cheese. Matter of fact, two. I'm on celery and fries and a peach drink. And make sure my fries is hot because they was cold last time. to the Extra Crispy, Extra Wet Podcast, hosted by the Young Aunties. All right, welcome everybody to the Extra Crispy, Extra Wet Podcast, hosted by us, the Young Aunties. Y'all could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. Well, we're down here in the South, in Atlanta to be exact, and in the South, we say it's rude to walk in the room and not introduce yourself, so we're going to do that first. Kay, kick us off. Hey, y'all. It's Auntie Kirby, a.k.a. Where's Kirby at, a.k.a. the West Side Woodniff, and I'm checking in from the SWATs, as usual. Everybody need a good shooter on their squad. And that would be me, Auntie Kaylee, a.k.a. Killer Kaylee with no kills, a.k.a. the original Kaylee, established in 1985. Hashtag stop gentrifying my name. Amen. And y'all know who I am. It's your favorite homegirl, Nick, from the old school I on you, where we put it on you. And we're glad to be back in this thing one more again. All right. Well, y'all know what we always start. We're going to get that good old wing order of the day. Cracker lacking. Auntie Kaylee, what's on your plate, doll? Um, I'm feeling spicy per usual. So, but I'm going to do a Nashville hot chicken tender with the side of hot honey and ranch. Oh, yeah. Well, all right. Okay. You know, y'all know she like it hot, so y'all good luck with that one. <laughs> uh, to Kirby, what you feeling for today? I'm feeling very nostalgic. There used to be a Chinese restaurant called Fried Rice King um, off of Cascade on the west side of Atlanta that had what were called Chinese-style fried chicken wings, which I essentially, essentially learned when I got older were marinated in soy sauce and then deep fried, uh, typically in a wok. So I want a 10 piece of those and a side of their house fried rice, which had the pork, the beef, the shrimp, and the chicken, the English peas, the carrots, and extra onions. Um, And of course, I'm going to have water because hashtag I'm an adult and hashtag growing skin. Um, And I'm actually going to have one of my grandmother's uh, desserts today, uh, a slice of a million dollar pound cake. And if anybody ever gets to meet me and impresses me, I might make one for you. Well, all right. And I think I saw something earlier that was really interesting and I would like to try, which is waffle fried chicken. Um, It is a take on chicken and waffles and then this chicken wings um, fried in waffle batter, basically. And yes, you bite into a piece of chicken and waffles with every bite and they drizzle um, your choice of syrup on top. So yeah, that's what I'm feeling today. Yeah, I'm down with that that exploration. Yeah, <laughs> like it makes you want to try. Like I feel like we can all make that at home. Yeah, sure. like, like, you know what I mean, and and just enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like we're all gonna try that in the near future, and we need to <laughs> share what worked, what didn't work, so we can perfect that recipe. Absolutely. You gonna use Aunt Jemima for the batter? <laughs> yeah, or that uh, what's it called now? Pearl Milling Company. Yeah, Pearl Milling Company. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> no. I don't know. Good job making it sound like it's been established since eight, the 1800s. I was like, oh, <laughs> gee, <hold laughs> it. it's funny you mentioned the Aunt Jemima because we have a story coming up, y'all. 
that kind of ties into that whole historical aspect. We'll get to that. Right now, it's time to move into the auntie of the week, Auntie Kirby. You got somebody for us? Yes. Congratulations to Miss Shelly Ann Fraser Price, who ran the world's fastest 100 meter this year. Uh, Jamaican-born Shelly Ann Fraser Price actually followed her unprecedented fifth world championship in the 100 meter by running the world's fastest time this year at the Diamond League meet in Poland uh, this past Saturday. Not yesterday, but the Saturday before yesterday. Uh, she's actually a 35-year-old mom. She clocked 10.66 seconds. That's crazy. Uh, 100th faster than she ran to win the world title in Oregon uh, three weeks ago. Uh, she actually beat a field that included top Americans like Aaliyah Hobbs, Melissa Jefferson, and T.T. Terry. Um, so we're really, really excited for her. We know that oftentimes in a lot of track meets, Black women are always showing their level of excellence. So congratulations to her. We hope you continue to strive and continue to move as fast as you can uh, through this life of track. So we appreciate you and want to congratulate you, Auntie Shelly and Frazier Price. All right. Yes, ma'am. Auntie Shelly and Frazier Price definitely did her thing. Jamaica did their thing um, in the women's um, heats and U.S. USA women did their things. The women really represented um, during during this this uh, competition, and she has shown to be just amazing. I don't know. It, watching these women run is crazy. It made me feel like I could run, and y'all know I ain't running nowhere. But it makes me want to run. It makes me want to run. Make you right there. You go. It makes me want to run. Like I, I'll take a light jog. These I'm, I'm women got like jumper cables in their legs or something. Like it, it is amazing to see, and she did her thing, and definitely worthy of Auntie of the Week. Yes. All right, well it's time to get into that menu. You know what we always do at the top, Atlanta news first. I think Kaylee's kicking us off with a very buggy situation that I just dealt with. <laughs> So, uh, you and I both, brother, uh, according to a new survey by Thumbtack, Atlanta was uh, deemed the second buggiest city in the United States. Uh, the only city that beats the capital of the Peach State is Dallas, Texas. Um, and according to the findings, which were taken from a survey of millions of home projects across the country, July and August are the buggiest months of the year. Um, so, you know, I, obviously this is no surprise to me. My let go a couple of weeks ago was like nature and insects. I'm over it. I'm done with it. I had a Congo line of ants in my kitchen the other day. I know Auntie Nick, I don't know what to put, I'm going to put your business on blast, but I'm just oh, saying, I mean, we struggling. Like, come on now. I don't know. What, what do you, how do y'all feel about this? You can tell the people. Yeah. I, like right before we started recording, I sat down y'all. It was ants on my desk and I don't I was trying to figure out where they were coming from I can't tell so I just had to spray everything these bugs is out of control your house clean and they still coming in you can't put any like I swear I just put this cup down a little while ago and they're already that's what it was the cup and it's like how do y'all that quick smell this cup or whatever and come in here like it take over. It's crazy. It's be a drought out there for the ants. I don't know. <laughs> well, the nature is powerful. Go off, sis. That's a real strange sense of smell right there. Or maybe they smell how sweet you were, Nicole. They want to bite. Oh. <laughs> well, ant that, y'all. That's just. <laughs> All right. Well, buggy is city to 
more craziness in Atlanta. So y'all in late July in Fayetteville, there was a SWAT standoff in a neighborhood um, that resulted in an 18 year old being found dead. Now this all started with a 911 call um, from someone whispering saying that they have been kidnapped and are being held against their will by an organization in this house. Mm. Upon their arrival, police didn't know what to expect, but they ended up having to block off the neighborhood for hours, not allowing anyone in or out as they had to deal with this um, uh, standoff and clear the house. Eventually, there were 10 people inside the house. Nine walked out willingly. One was found dead inside from what appeared to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound, although some people are calling that into question. Um, two people have been arrested and are facing multiple charges. Um, these people are allegedly a part of the Black Hammer Party formed in 2019 in Atlanta and believed to be an extremist group in alliance with the Proud Boys of all people. Um, and the Proud Boys are um, a white group classified as a hate group. Um, the group spokesperson says they are proud to be labeled as a hate group. Gazi Kozo, legal name is Augustus Romaine, like the lettuce, um, has been identified as the leader and the owner of the home. He's 36 years old and has been charged with aggravated sodomy, kidnapping, conspiracy to commit a felony, false imprisonment, aggravated assault, and criminal street gang activity. Um, ladies, have y'all heard of the Black Hammer Party? Because I didn't before this story started breaking. Um, there, You have people comparing them to the Black Panther Party, which I think is very disrespectful um, and inaccurate. Um, and what do y'all think about this story? Do you believe that this boy shot himself? Where y'all at with it? Um, Kirby, you looking like perplexed, so... <laughs> Creepy to me. It's very much giving New Nation energy. I don't know if y'all remember that story. I want to say that was the late 90s, early 2000s. There was a black man that led a group of people to build a city down in Eatonton, Georgia. And if I'm not mistaken, the monuments are still there. He had built these big pyramids that were supposed to replicate the pyramids of Egypt. And apparently the people were supposed to be the chosen folks. And then things got disillusioned. I don't know if anybody died in that situation, but it's very much giving that energy. And it's also giving Jonestown energy. For those of you who may remember um, early in our childhoods, there was a some pastor that essentially convinced a bunch of folks from California to go to Guyana and ended up committing murder-suicide through drinking of cyanide with great, uh, made with, uh, with great Kool-Aid. Um, I had not heard about the Black Hammer Party. I mean, I know about there are some extreme uh, wings of the Black Hebrew Black Israelite movement that kind of move in similar ways as what you were talking about. Um, as far as that potential uh, self-inflicted wound, we know how these situations go. Um, matter of fact, let me back up. The dude that was supposed to be the head of it, I don't know if y'all saw that mug shot. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying. Like, he look, he looks soulless. And I don't know how to describe that to anybody over audio. I have to go look at the picture of the man. But when I say he looks soulless and sinister, like literally he had been possessed by some sort of demon or something like yeah. that. So honestly, I don't know what to make of the situation. I hope that everybody else is safe and that there are no other members that are still, um, you know, roaming about and trying to possibly implement whatever plan that he was trying to implement. But if you allow, if you align yourself with the Proud Boys, um, as far as I'm concerned, you my enemy. Please don't come here with that fool la la. Y'all know I'm about that action. Um, I, I am very much a protector of life, um, life that needs to be lived. So yeah, that's a, it's really really sad, and I'm sorry. Uh, and I, my condolences out to the family members of that person who unfortunately uh, allegedly was possibly murdered. Um, 
uh, I just, it's, it's really, really sad. I, I, I just, I, I'm still seeing the face of that man. It's, it's very disturbing to me. Yeah, I hadn't heard of the Black Hammer Party before the story. I'm glad that the first time I'm hearing about them is them being arrested. So, and hopefully they will be gone uh, for a very long time. I'm definitely more interested to know just like where the sodomy charges came from, because that sounds crazy. Did you drive someone to kill themselves? Because if sodomy was going on um, against someone's will, I mean, I just don't know. Um, they said there was, uh, so the leader of this group, he's 36, the young man who allegedly took his life, he was only 18. And so it's like, where's his parents at? And um, you know, you got to watch your kids. We talk about these kids and they are looking for leaders. And sometimes they get caught up with these crazy groups because all they want is just a group to be a part of. It doesn't matter what the message is. Um, but yeah, to compare them to the Black Panther Party, though, definitely out of line, out of pocket, disrespectful. I don't know what this group is anti-Semitic. This is a hate group. The Black Panther Party is not a hate group. So I want that clarified for the record. Yeah, Black Panther Party was out in the community feeding the kids on after school mm -hmm. programs, um, uh, protecting their community. I don't know what part of sodomy and kidnapping that makes them think that they can compare themselves to the Black Panther Party. So people really need to educate themselves. Um, and, and even looking at how the U.S. government um, villainized the Black Panther Party because they were afraid of how you know organized they were. So it's not some of those weird bedtime stories that your, your granny told you about the Black Panther Party. That's, those aren't true. Um, yeah, this group is crazy. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I feel like more and more is going to come out about this story as they investigate, and we will be here to keep you guys updated. Um, moving along, more updates. Uh, Auntie Kirby on some things that we also talked about here. Listen, um, y'all know I've been talking real <clears throat> out the side of my neck about this abortion situation in Roe v. Wade. Well, it turns out <laughs> the abortion law that is potentially being introduced says that a fetus is tax deductible. Um, this states, our state's uh, fetal personhood provision now includes a $3,000 tax exemption starting around six weeks of pregnancy. Um, basically, the Georgia's abortion ban counts a fetus as a, per as a person, as we've been discussing, and now apparently is going to be a part of the tax code. Um, the State Department of Revenue actually announced this week that any unborn child with a detectable human heartbeat can be claimed as a dependent, um, providing a $3,000 $3, tax exemption for each pregnancy within a household months before a child is born. Um, Georgia's law, of course, currently bans abortions after six weeks, which is usually around when, uh, usually around when doctors can actually find and detect a fetal cardiac activity. Um, and of course, this announcement comes on the heels of the Roe v. Wade um, announcement. Um, and actually, nearly 40 states, including Texas and California, define a fetus as a person in cases involving homicide. Um, so if that is the case, then, you know, again, run us our check. Um, hopefully it starts with these potential tax deductions and then moves all the way to having life insurance and any of the other uh, benefits of being alive um, goes with being a human being. Um, how do y'all feel about this, uh, being able to possibly get a deduction if you just so happen to be carrying a fetus with a heartbeat? Uh, you know I'm all about it. Um, you want to force women to have these babies, definitely support them and do what you got to do. Run them they checks, run them they ducats. Um, it's the least you can do in a nation where we're being actively repressed. At least you can give me some kind of support. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And even Stryker want to get in on the conversation and agrees. <laughs> That's how I know this is real. 
<laughs> like, Let me, put me in, mom. Put me in. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm for it. I mean, y'all know from the beginning, I've been on the bandwagon of if you're gonna force these things, then I have questions. And one of them was, can I put them on my insurance? Mm-hmm. Um, can I get tax deductions from them? Can I get child support immediately? Do I qualify for all the benefits that women with children qualify? Or immediately, if you are saying that I am now holding a human being, then what what can I do with that? Y'all saw recently the woman even argued in Texas. Um, I can ride in the HOV lane. It's two people in this car, and y'all trying to ticket me, but according to your laws, it's two of us in here. So I think that if y'all gonna do one, you got to do the other, and I'm all for it. And for everybody's info, the act is actually called the Living Infants Fairness and Equality uh, or Life Act. Um, so be looking for that uh, legislation to possibly pop up on the November ballots um, and especially consider voting early. Make sure that y'all get a copy of that act of the Life Act and read through it. I know it's a lot to do that, but we're at a point we're in our mid to late 30s. We've got to pay attention to things that are going to potentially impact us. Um, and even if you don't read through the entire legis- potential legislation, at least make sure you get a general summary and also find out the people who are supporting that particular act uh, within your state, an act similar to it within your states, even beyond Georgia, so that you have an idea of what you're voting on in November. Absolutely. All right, moving along. Atlanta's Music Midtown Festival for 2022 has been canceled. Um, Featured artists would have been Future, Fall Out Boy, Jack White, and My Chemical Romance. So they will not be hitting the stage as scheduled due to a change in Georgia gun laws. All right. The 2019 expansion of the 2014 law known as the Guns Everywhere law makes it illegal to ban guns in certain kinds of publicly owned land, which does apply to the the city-owned Piedmont Park, which is where the concert would be. Um, If you think gun enthusiasts won't fight back, you are sadly mistaken. Um, a gun rights group sued the Atlanta Botanical Garden when a member was briefly detained for trying to take a holstered pistol inside of the venue. Um, so this means that either guns are going to be allowed in publicly owned spaces or you're going to have to move your events to privately owned property. Uh, what do you ladies think? Do you think that this is a problem should Atlanta Music Midtown just go ahead with their concert and allow the guns in, or do they need to find a privately owned venue? I mean, I you think know. you got to, if you're going to have a change of laws, you need to understand what the updated laws mean, what that requires. If you have a public park or whatever, I mean, this is for the safety of all the participants. Um, and I think we all can agree that there's been way too much random violence uh, and shooting, particularly at festivals. Um, I have a fear of being in a festival. I mean, I think when Dave Chappelle got um, attacked, I don't think that man even had an actual gun. Wasn't it a gun-shaped knife or something weird like that? Um, And they were like padded down and everything. So it was like, I don't know. I mean, I guess I feel both ways because I don't know what length you have to go to ensure the safety of people when there are people out there who are just determined and destined to do what they want to do and bring harm, you know? So I don't know what that limit is. But the flip side is, I mean, you know, you have to keep people safe. You have to. I also feel multiple ways about this because I am very much for people having the right to carry their their guns. Um, I would prefer that we all just had like a community-based idea around like a concert is not a place for a gun. 
Um, like we supposed to be jumping up and down, moshing, enjoying the music, beefing it up, uh, swag surfing and stuff like that or whatever, even though this lineup is a little bit awkward. I don't even know why anybody bought any tickets in the first place, but congratulations on getting refunds. <laughs> Who's in the lineup? I was trying to find that. Uh, Future, My Chemical Romance and some other folks. It just, it didn't make any sense. It's like yeah, Jack White and Fallout Boy. Is Jack White the boy the, Ooh. I, oh, you, is that him? That's Jack Harlow. Okay, either way, one of them people. So <laughs> my thing is, it wasn't it wasn't even a worthy concert in the first place. But if I'm going to somewhere to enjoy myself, I don't want to have to worry about not just if somebody does decide to commit violence, somebody jumping up and down and their gun go off because it wasn't holstered properly. Because we know people don't follow instructions. So it's just like, on the one hand, like, yes, I want people to be able to protect themselves because I want to be able to protect myself in a situation. Like, if something pop off somewhere, if I need to go ahead and put a hot one in somebody in the back of somebody's neck, I want to be able to do that. At the same time, I feel like from a community standpoint, we just, we, we cartwheeling emotionally and spiritually out here and it's making folks act crazy and it's a lot of negative behavior. We've talked ad nauseum on this podcast about the amount of weird, violent acts that have been happening, not only in Atlanta, in Georgia, but in the nation as a whole. Um, I'm still never going to forget that elephant coming and stomping on that lady, even though that elephant had a right to do it. But I just, y'all, we just got to do better in general. I just want to come listen to the music and have like a turkey leg and a beer or something without being worried about having a bullet put in my ass cheek, even though it probably won't hurt me because I got but that's neither here nor there. I just we gotta figure out so we gotta figure out something. And I guess at this point, um, from an event throwing standpoint, and as a person that's coordinated events, y'all gonna have to find private property um to do this type of stuff and enforce whatever your own rules are and stop doing just physical pat downs. Y'all gonna have to start putting them little airport joints that people gotta walk through to make sure there's really nothing on their person and stand firm in rejecting folks and not giving them a refund because you didn't follow instructions and making sure it's clear. Cause there are festivals I've gone to, they say, if you bring knives, uh, non-clear water bottles or non-clear book bags, guns, you will be rejected from entry and you will not receive a refund. Like just, you know, set it up accordingly. But also like y'all, why we, why we, why we wanna have weapons at a music festival? We will be shaking our ass. Not shaking bullets in people's faces. Whatever. Um, I want my weapons at the music festival. Understood. I do. Um, as a woman <clears throat> moving around this world, uh, a man he don't need a weapon to overtake me. A lot, a lot of men, depending on their size and strength. And the only thing that I can counter with sometimes is a weapon, and I feel better with it on me. Um. I personally am not there to do any harm to anyone and don't want to do any harm to anyone. Um, but I understand that that is not the sentiment of everyone that will walk in with a weapon, which is why I just don't go. If it's if it's somewhere that I, you know, number one, if it's somewhere that I feel like I need to be armed, I'm probably going to avoid going there. And if it's somewhere that doesn't allow it and I feel like I need to be armed there, I'm definitely not going. Um, it's, it's like an unfortunate truth of the world we live in. I'm at the point where I'm wondering if the solution in some ways is more guns or less guns. And I give this scenario, imagine you're in a bank and someone comes in with a gun and says, everybody on the ground. And then 80 other people in the bank turn around and pull their guns and say, no, you get on the ground. Mm. You know, if, if, if people know that people are more than likely armed, would they be less likely to try to 
commit crimes when they know the majority of people in the area are probably armed and prepared and educated and know how to use those weapons. I don't know. I mean, I would say my issue isn't with guns themselves. It's with responsible gun ownership. And that's, that's the yeah. problem. So, I mean, if I'm in a, if I could be surrounded by hundreds of people who are carrying guns, but if I know they went through the safety courses, that they are mentally fine. Uh, They're not. It's going to be cow written houses out there. Well, I'm just saying like in a, in a, ideal world that's yeah. what it would be and then i wouldn't even have a problem i wouldn't even feel right you know but unfortunately that ain't you like that ain't the world we live in and like you pointed out earlier festivals and events like that have been the huge targets of people looking to do those horrible things so it's just yeah it's gonna be a cow written house type person that want to talk about their gun rights you know it's gonna be the person that got picked last in dodgeball that's out there feeling powerful, you know, um, and it's always those type of people that are the ones that do the horrible things, not the innocent, legal, you know, people that are just out there to have a good time and want to walk back to their car with some type of security on them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would want my guns, um, but y'all just not to move it to a private venue and try to up the efforts, like you talked about Kirby, of Searching people, but even then, things are going to make it through. I just hope that security is well prepared um, to handle it. All right. Moving on and pressing forward. Um, Auntie Kaylee, so you're going to close us out in Atlanta stories. Yeah. So this last story uh, involves two women, Bernetta Glover and Autumn Coney. Um, and they were charged with child cruelty in the first degree, a.k.a. child abuse, uh, for an incident that happened at the Clarkston First Baptist Academy, uh, which is a daycare center that I presume is affiliated with uh, a church. <clears throat> the mother, Miss Kristen Collier, said her three-year-old son came home from daycare on the day in question, suffering from a swollen jaw and was also upset. Um, so Crystal, or Kristen, excuse me, went and watched the footage um, she said in one video, it appears that one of the workers picks the child up by his arms um, and then by his shirt and then throw him to the ground. Um, in another video, um, she can see one of the teachers picking up her son uh, from one side of her body and like slamming him to the other side of her body, um, trying to like subdue him or get him to settle down. So um, I thought this story was crazy. Um, you know, Miss Collier is suing. Uh, do y'all think that the daycare and or church is liable? Um, and do they deserve more than just a lawsuit uh, going upside the head? Because <laughs> I do. Kyrie, I'm looking at your face and you just look. <laughs> you, you're, 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 you, you had a few audible reactions <laughs> during this. So how are you feeling? Bitch, I know you want to fight me. <laughs> You don't want to catch these hands. I'll beat your ass today. We can make some plans. Like, yeah, I, uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm at a loss for words. Okay. Again, this is a three-year-old. Now, y'all, children are aggravating as the fuck. That does not mean that you abuse them. They're children. Right. They're children. And if you don't want to work with aggravating little new human beings, then don't. 
They're going to cry. They're going to scream. They're going to throw shit. They're going to have tantrums. They're going to be disrespectful. They're new humans. <laughs> They're babies. <laughs> They're fucking children. Excuse my language. I'm, ooh, that makes me angry. I, um, first of all, uh, these two ladies, uh, burn hell. Um, <laughs> second of all, um, come get these hands, uh, both of them. Um, and as far as the church is concerned, y'all a non-profit organization, come up off of some of them ties, player. Because I'm not just suing them civilly. I'm suing y'all for allowing people like that to remain on staff at a, at a, at a for-profit part of your organization that you're allowing to operate under your name. None of this is okay. And they lucky that the mama is just suing them. They're very, very lucky. Clearly, you must be in the arms of the Lord in some type of way if all she's doing is suing you. Because anybody in my family, lawsuit wouldn't have been even a question. We don't need no money. Just tell us where they live. Okay. You don't touch people's children and not expect to have some type of ramifications. And if you don't have children of your own, if you've never pushed someone out of your, a human being out of your body, you'll never understand the type of relationship that parents and in particular mothers have with their children. And especially if they genuinely care about them, you should be lucky that you are alive and breathing to even be sued in the first place. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Hmm. Um, parents, just be very careful about who you leave your children with um, and prepare your children. Um, when my niece was very, very small and started in her daycare days. I remember my sister um, letting us know that when she picked her up one day and was talking to the worker that they mentioned that she talks too much. And what they meant was like, when we ask her, how was your day? She literally tells us everything, you know, whether it pertained to her or not, like every detail of her day. And she's still that way. And she's 14 now, y'all. But anyway, <laughs> um, she will tell like, and the teacher pinched another kid when they weren't going to the bathroom fast enough, you know, like, oh, and, you know, of course, we'll mention that to the proper people, like, you know, my child said this or whatever. And I remember we all went up there and had a nice little rundown, sit down with the staff and this, this particular person and let them know it is no such thing as talking too much. For her letting us know what's going on. The only reason you would have a problem with that is if you felt like there was something she would say that you don't want us to know. Because other than that, all your cards should be up and it shouldn't be no problem when this child comes home and tells accurately about what happened in her day or what she observed. Um, you got to be careful about them two people. Not, Of course, that person wasn't there very much longer, obviously. Um, they took care of that because that's a huge red flag. Um, but number one, do that and prepare your kids and teach them to talk and tell you everything and tell them what's right and what's wrong in ways that they can understand and communicate with you and make sure that no one is able to manipulate your children into not telling you what is going on for fear or some other threat that people may be making. This was a three-year-old child. What, I mean, what, what could a three-year-old do? And I know kids are difficult, like you said, and annoying and frustrating, but if this is your chosen industry, then I'm, I'm sure you knew that going into it and that you've chosen to use your coping mechanisms and, and strategies to deal with this. 
So what could a three-year-old have possibly done that would cause you to do the things that this mother saw on video? Leading him around by his hair like a leash? Are you crazy? And coming from somebody, me personally, growing up, and I'll tell these stories probably on another time on the podcast of growing up in Milledgeville, Georgia, and dealing with the racism with this, the staff in my school, it is really hard for young children to navigate those situations and to stand up for themselves. So please prepare your children, ask the right questions. I'm to the point, you need to be regularly checking footage anyway and just asking to see it if they don't have it where they have it. I know some people have apps where you can watch live stream all day of your children in daycare. So do your due diligence. I, I, I don't think there's too much when it comes to protecting your kids. Um, this is horrible. Yes, they need to go straight to hell, not only with gasoline draws on, but on scholarship. Okay. And that's how I feel about it. Mm. You know, I'm taking a second and reflecting on my initial response. Obviously, I have a little bit of a temper now in my real life. No, I don't act up like that for real, for real. But people got to understand, you got to stop playing with folks. You really, really do. People, people can snap. Like, they can lose their mind for me. I mean, when you see something like that, I would imagine a woman or a father, a father or a mother would have a visceral reaction to seeing their child being physically abused by the people they've entrusted their safety and well-being to. Mm-hmm. Those are a swollen job. What kind of force did you have to slam this child with for their jaw to be messed up? And like, I'm paying you thousands of dollars a month because childcare is expensive for you to beat my child's ass. Huh? If there was a problem with the child, discuss it with the parents, come up with a solution, work on these things. Don't physically abuse these children. You have no right to do that. And, and, and I don't even want to hear people talk about discipline. Discipline doesn't incu- include jaws being messed up. That, that's abuse. Absolutely. Poor baby. And I believe in spankings. But I don't believe your jaws should be messed up or leading children around by their ponytail like a leash and throwing them by their arms and something like that. There's a difference in abuse and corporal punishment. That is abuse. That, that, that is. Not, doesn't suffer any like trauma from that experience or grow up to have a fear of people or be mistrustful. like Or easily manipulated because when you do children like that, you prime them up to be um, uh, prey for predators. <sighs> We'll we'll pray for them and y'all. We're gonna watch this story and see if any other details emerge. But in the meantime, you got kids getting feces on them all day at daycare. You got kids getting beat up. You got kids being locked in after hours and mamas coming and seeing their child locked inside and the lights off and nobody there. What's going on with these daycares? We've covered all these stories here on Extra Crispy, Extra Wet, and there seems to be a really big issue with daycares. Um, and child care in general. So we'll keep an eye on it and let you guys know if anything else comes or if any other stories um, arise. But moving on into the rest of the menu, Kirby, you've always been a, a science kid. Um, <laughs> I know this story was right up your alley. Let us know what's going on in the Alzheimer's world. 
Yeah. So apparently a gentleman named Dr. Dean Ornish um, in 1990, uh, he's an internal medicine specialist, uh, did what no other doctor had been able to do. He actually published results um, of a randomized clinical trial that he did uh, that used advanced imagery scans to show coronary artery disease could actually be reversed with nothing more than diet, exercise, stress reduction, and social support. And so he now wants to try to utilize those same methodologies, but on a more intense level to help do the same for Alzheimer's disease. And uh, a little personal story, my grandfather passed away in 2005 of complications of Alzheimer's. He was 75 years old. And he was a really, really intelligent, vibrant, fervent um, guy. Um, he had an opportunity to work for the federal government, the U.S. Post Office. He served in the military and the Air Force um, in, uh, and was in Germany. Um, and also was a, a major real estate broker in Atlanta and helped a lot of Black people and Black families get into homes in the 90s when other brokers um, of different races and other real estate agents would not sell homes to them. So he was really, really intelligent, very move, fast moving, great with numbers, even had an accounting business in the basement of my childhood home at one point. Um, and a lot of times Alzheimer's does affect people who tend to be high, um, uh, quick thinkers, highly intelligent, are able to process information very quickly, and particularly people who are able to process scientific and mathematical information very quickly. And so I just found this article to be interesting. I mean, obviously, we all should be taking care of ourselves in one way or the other, but the fact that Dr. Dean actually had proof that utilizing um, these low-cost interventions um, could actually work and utilizing to potentially not only stop uh, or even go all the way up to reversing uh, these potential uh, life-threatening and oftentimes life-altering diseases I thought it was just amazing. Um, and he mentioned, like I said, aggressive lifestyle changes. He said the original heart study on heart disease was actually small. It was about 28 people, an experimental group, and he followed them for five years. And even though some skeptics criticized the program for its small sample size and said there was no way people could remain on the program's stringent plant-based diet without supervision, uh, the Ornish meal plan that he came up with, uh, no more than 10% of one's uh, daily uh, calories can come from fat. Uh, to accomplish that, all animal products besides egg whites and one cup of non-fat milk or yogurt each day are banned. Um, this doesn't apply necessarily to the Alzheimer's study. But just thinking about how sometimes actually making very serious lifestyle changes can actually get us out of some very specific spaces. And we, you know, we always talk about how America has all types of epidemics and we have an epidemic of diet and health in this country as well. And so I just was very, very amazed at what he was able to accomplish. And while I, too, agree that there may be certain strict diets that people necessarily cannot consistently maintain, the idea is to be able to at least pause or keep things from progressing. And so knowing that there are things that we can do without even necessarily having conventional medical intervention gives me hope for what we can potentially accomplish in this country. So things like heart disease, Alzheimer's, cancer, uh, diabetes, all these different ailments that ail multiple people, millions of people in this country can literally be changed through some of our own individual day-to-day -day actions. And that really, really got me excited. Um, so, of course, I would love you all's opinion. Do you think that you would be able to adjust to a specific strict lifestyle? Um, are you excited at the possibility that, you know, we may not all, especially in the Black community, which we have high rates of diabetes and hypertension, et cetera, would be able to potentially reverse these things by maybe, you know, not listening to these white people and their advertisements about their terrible food? <laughs> I, I'm for it. I, I think a lot of people have adopted the quote-unquote holistic um, treatments and ways of doing things, um, trying to eliminate as much uh, chemical intake and I guess what they call modern medicine um, from their routines, um, not having to go get surgeries or be hospitalized and things like that. So I, I think that he's on to, to something that people have been on to for a while. 
Um, I think that that is definitely a route that if you're able to take it, um, to probably pursue. Um, I know my mom definitely has taken a more holistic um, route to a lot of things and her health has like just skyrocketed. Like, wow. it's been amazing. She's in great health. Like, yeah, my mom's there in her 60s. She still walks at least five miles a day. Um, she loves to work in her garden and do things like that. It's just, you know, her her um, diet is really what she changed. Mm-hmm. And changing that diet just like got her back to her um, college. And she was a college athlete. Her college uh, size and level of health was actually better than it was. But you know what I mean? Like that, it's, it's just an amazing thing to see. So we're all going to try to drink our water and make those changes. Um, and like you said, I don't think everybody is maybe has a lifestyle that can do everything or a budget. Cause sometimes your mama didn't budget be a little different than yours. Um, Cause that's the other thing it's, it's, it's really expensive to be healthy. It unfortunately. Um, and it's a lot less expensive to be unhealthy. And that's probably by design. Cause that keeps big pharma, um, Pushing, keep us sick, keep us paying, y'all. Um, yeah, that's where I'm gonna leave my comments at. Um, I definitely think this is exciting. Um, I do hope that um, it raises some awareness. I mean, I think we all do know the things that we're supposed to be doing, but the follow through sometimes isn't doesn't curl all the way over for all of us. So, um, you know, my grandmother also suffered from um, Alzheimer's and and dementia in general. Um, and it's just such a debilitating and sad disease. So, um, it's really hard to watch someone slowly lose their memory and it does seem to affect, um, you know, people who are so smart. And so it's even more frustrating. Like why doesn't it affect people who didn't use their brain to begin with? Um, but you know, that's just, (laughs) I feel like that's just life. Um, so this is encouraging. And so, yeah, I think everybody listening, we all need to do a little bit better. Stay on top of it. Meal prep, meal plan. Speaking of better planning, um, our boy Sean Kane. Is that his name? BML activist. I actually used (laughs) open cash to purchase a $40,000 doll. Um, So this controversial figure in the Black Lives Matter movement, activist Sean King, um, his political pack actually used donor cash uh, to purchase a $40,000 doll that King used as a family pet. he, of course, has the pack, what is it called, Grassroots Law. Uh, he actually handed over some uh, in the pair of payments to Potrero Performance Dogs in California uh, since December, uh, which was reported by the uh, Washington Free Beacon. Uh, the pack actually paid Potrero $10,000 in December 2021, followed by a $35,650 payment in February of this year. Um, days after that payment, King also posted on Facebook about welcoming the new uh, member of the family. It was actually a Mastiff and prize show dog named Mars. And I thought that was interesting because when I first heard about the story, I assumed that it might've been a personal protection dog because there are people after him. And personal protection dogs do tend to be that expensive, not necessarily just a dog, but because you have to pay for them to be trained. It only takes about two years to train a personal protection dog. Um, That post though, however, has been deleted or potentially made private. Um, The grassroots pack also is ostensibly aimed in boosting political campaigns for the candidates aligned with King's often soft on crime mentality. Uh, but the organization also spent nearly as much on the dog as it has on candidates. So that was one of his potential defenses. You know, we contributed $56,000 to various political programs since 2021, just $16,000 more than what was reportedly spent on the animal. 
Uh, unfortunately, Mars' stay with the King family was not long lived. Uh, However, as the Patero uh, program posted, they actually posted photos of the dog winning the top prize of the American Kennel Club in July. Uh, they explained in an earlier Instagram post that Mars uh, had a little too much energy for the family and the dog had to go back to them. Um, the Instagram post from Patero also has since been made private. So, you know, as a person, I'm actually in the process of looking for a personal protection dog. Um, they tell you all the time, uh, most of the animals, whether they are prize AKC winner or whatever, or whatever it is, these dogs need lots of exercise and lots of attention. And by I mean lots of exercise and lots of attention, they typically need to have like an hour long walk at least two times a day, which in my opinion is not much, but I've had dogs in my family my entire life or other people that's too much, you know, uh, care. And then of course, obviously feeding costs, et cetera, et cetera. So I just find it interesting, Mr. King. Um, you know, you can't seem to handle your mouth, handle your platform or handle a dog or your money. And it's just very, very confusing to me. Ladies, how y'all feel? Sean. Sean, it's always something with Sean King, man. I really don't know. I don't know what to make of him. Um, I do know that I had to stop uh, following him on Instagram at one point because it just was too much. And seems like he's always whining and, and, and crying victim about something that's personal to him only. Um, so he claimed he needed this guard dog, but I guess he really didn't need the guard dog that he spent thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on. Um, he says that the gun laws in New Jersey are restrictive and that he needs protection from white supremacists um, and that he was done taking the high road. So I don't know. He don't have a dog or a gun. So I don't know exactly how threatening that is to someone, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just I still have doubts and concerns that he's even part black. So I mean, it sounds like his tax returns are his biggest threat. How you feel, Nick? <laughs> I just feel like he's always misappropriating something or being accused of that. Sorry. Um, where there's smoke is fire. Um, <laughs> this, this has been an ongoing thing with Mr. King. Um, if that's his real name. <laughs> like, just because you keep a fade haircut don't mean you you with me. Um, like she said, I, I don't even know who or what you are. Um, and I'm just need you to make it very clear. Actually, no, I don't, because I, I don't need I don't need you. I don't need nothing from you. It just seemed like it's more controversy around you than progress. Ooh. Um, because I'm trying to see where, where where we're going with this whole thing. What what are we doing other than making headlines and headlines that are not necessarily helpful to the community? And I think if you really are for a community and you see that your presence isn't actually benefiting them for the love of the community you would just step back and y'all we've seen that when people say i'm gonna I'm just take a step back because i can see this ain't helping and if, if me doing that helps y'all cool i'm gonna do that so i i think we at that point mr king where it's time for you just to go ahead and step back so we we, we can move forward because this this ain't helping it ain't working um in the words of lauren hill it ain't working I mean, I just, and I've never, I don't even see Sean King out and about. Like I see his posts um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I had to unfollow him. It wasn't just this victim, victimhood that he has with himself personally. It was like traumatizing for me because he's so explosive and the pictures he posts are so like exploitive and illicit. It's like, you know, I don't need to see that on a random Tuesday at 345. Like, come on, Sean. And then if it's not that, then it's him complaining about how people are out to get him. And then 
then it's another story about oh these are all fake stories i'm just saying if it look like a duck quack like a dog talk, talk like <laughs> talk like a duck y'all know what i'm trying to say it's a doggone duck like come on sean people been calling you a thief for how many years and what happened to the dog did you get your money back like how does that even work like ray charles mama said in that movie scratch a lie find a thief oh go off that's all I'm saying. Worth my car. Well, all right. We got our good eye on you, Mr. Sean King. Um, moving on about some things that just don't sit right in the community. Airbnb is in hot water again after a luxury slave cabin experience. It was advertised on the website. The Panther Burn Cottage. That name is so... Uh, uh, boasted an 1830 slave cabin that housed enslaved people in Greenville, Mississippi. When Wanton Gates, an entertainment and civil rights attorney in New Orleans, came across this listing in a group text, his family was trying to set some things up and they found that this was the only thing in a certain area that they were looking for. Um, he was outraged and made a viral, now viral TikTok post about the situation. The Airbnb and the owner, Brad Hauser, both apologized. Hauser saying he has no desire to profit off of slavery. What's disturbing is that since Yates brought this issue to the forefront, Airbnb has found and taken down several other similar property listings. Um, I've had my uh, views on weddings on plantations. Um. I've always said that they would never have a wedding at a Nazi general's estate, um, no matter how beautiful it was, um, or on a concentration camp. Why is it that our pain and our history, our people are never given the same respect? And we're just told that we're being emotional and get over it. But when we when I switch it and give those examples, people would be outraged if someone was to want to have a celebration in those areas. So, I mean, what do you guys think? Like, would you want to stay in this cabin? Should anybody? Um, and by the way, it has rave reviews. I bet it does. People have stayed there and given rave reviews um, of this luxury experience. What do you ladies think? Anyone looking for that luxury experience would likely give it rave reviews because that takes a certain sick-minded person. Like, I don't even know what the crowd of people that is for, but luxury and slave quarters are two words that, those are oxymorons. They don't deserve or belong in the same sentence. Um, also, the man who owns the Airbnb didn't mean to profit off of it, really. So how did you come up about that property? Uh, because even if it wasn't bestowed upon you and it's not family property, you own it now. So what's the purpose of having the Airbnb? Are you not profiting off of that? Is it probably not a part of a large, larger like property or something too that you might also Airbnb out and get you know profits from that? But yeah, uh, to stay in a slave quarters, like does like a random like old white man come in and like rape the people and beat them in the middle of the night, like to give them that you know real slave oh, feeling? <laughs> yeah, I mean, is the spa just going out and picking cotton? You have to cut your own water mountain. <laughs> Chop wood. They're gonna sell your children away in the middle of the night. Yeah, just for just for fun. Throw them in the lake for uh, in the in the water for gator bait. <laughs> yeah, I just want to know what these amenities are. What's the amenity package? <laughs> at the slave. You get branded. 
with the owner's name before you leave Airbnb to ensure that your experience is rounded out. <laughs> um, do you also get freedom papers once you leave, once you check out of Airbnb? I just, you know, I, because I, I want to make sure that if I go ahead and, and get this uh, 400 year stay that I'm about to book, uh, that I'm going to get the full experience. What in the fuck, white people? And I can tell by your name you was white. I don't mean to be quote unquote reverse racist because that's what y'all like to call us when we call y'all out for some bullshit. But um, Brad. <laughs> Hauser, you said was the last name. Hauser. You can't make this shit up. <laughs> like, this is real life. This is really real life. You can't make this shit up. I'm pretty sure that this was probably passed down to you. You knew it was slave quarters when you bought it if it wasn't. And if I'm not mistaken, you make that a part of the fucking advertisement. Yeah. I didn't mean to profit. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Literally profiting off of slavery. I sure hope that you hired the blackest, <laughs> biggest lip butler that you could to ensure that these people really had the experience. I hope that everybody looked like they was on the set of Django when you arrive at the Airbnb. Cause I, you know, I'm not a proponent for doing shit you ain't supposed to do, but if you're going to do it, you better do it to the best of your ability. I hope that there were chains hanging around. There better have been at least a plastic body of someone swinging over the fucking cabin. You raggedy motherfucker. You I'm so sick. Like y'all are disgusting. Y'all are absolutely disgusting. I hope all the furniture was stuffed full of black people's hair. I hope that all the leather furniture was made from black people's skin since you didn't want to profit. Oh, you full of shit. And Brad Hauser, oh, trust and believe. Trust and believe. And you did it in Mississippi? Oh, Mississippi gonna burn. You gonna find out. All right. Well, this is where we are in 2022. <laughs> uh, but like I said, I think like this is it. I'm, I believe that people do it so easily because they do a lot of stuff on plantations already, and and, and nobody says anything, you know, that, and they're already making money off of slavery. Um, again, you would never see these things if I equated it to Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. You you would never see that. The fact that we have Confederate statues and memorials here. You would never see that. Uh, you would never see a Nazi um, statue in front of a courthouse in Germany. Mm -hmm. But that's yeah. something we see all the time here. Can y'all imagine what that cabin smells like? It probably smells like Bath and Body Works now since they done fixed it up. Mm -hmm. But pull all that Bath and Body Works out. Because, see, people forget, even down in Savannah to this day, when you walk beside the walls on River Street, you can see the hair. Of the bodies that were stacked to the cobblestone walls. Y'all like people be playing with shit that you don't understand because you think it's cute, you think it's funny, and you think you're gonna make a profit off of it. Don't worry about it. Your dream's gonna get real strange real soon. Don't worry about it. Yeah, this is this is where we are. Um moving forward, danger. Y'all know what it is. Actually, for real. Where's my pepper spray? <laughs> real danger. Your boy Mystical is back at it again. Here you go. Look, I'm, uh -oh. I'm trying to tell y'all we need to be done with Mystical. All right, so y'all, July 30th, we had another incident with Mystical. 
dirty, disgusting ass abusing women some more. Um, his lawyer says he was in a long-term relationship with a former No Limit, um, or I don't know. The, this I don't know who this woman is yet, but apparently they're saying she was in a relationship with him. It don't really matter either way whether she was or wasn't depend, um, based on what happened. So apparently Mystical got angry um, because he felt that the woman took some money from him. Um, so as a result of that, he punched, choked, and pulled out the woman's hair. Um, he then stopped her from leaving by taking her cell phone and her keys so she couldn't go anywhere. Um, he said the woman was like afraid and tried to help. Like, let me help you find the money. Y'all guess how much money it was? $100. Mm -hmm. $100. Um, but they didn't find the money. Um, after um, beating the woman, she claims that he was remorseful and um, tried to apologize. They even said something about spraying her with rubbing alcohol to cleanse her from bad spirits um, before first forcing her onto a bed and then raping her. I don't understand it. This is what they said happened. This wow. Is, this is how the brains of these kind of people work. Um, after she left the home, the victim went to a local hospital um, and did do a rape kit um, and found that her injuries were consistent with her claims. So they also, detectives, when they were um, investigating, found clumps of her hair and a broken fingernail in his home. So he's been arrested. He was originally charged with two misdemeanors, which were simple criminal damage to property and false imprisonment. Um, he now has been charged with three more felonies, including domestic abuse, battery by strangulation, simple robbery, and first-degree rape. Um, the judge denied his bond, thank God. Um, so now he faces an additional five drug charges, including possession of Schedule II am amphetamines, possession, uh, a bunch of possessions, y'all. I'm not going through all these. He possessed a lot of drugs, okay? Um, I want to bring back, um, look at my notes, back in 2003, he pleaded guilty to sexual battery um, and extortion in connection to the rape of his former hairstylist. He was sentenced to six years in prison. He was released in January of 2010. Two years later, he spent two months behind bars for violating his probation in connection to the case. He was charged with rape again in Louisiana in 2017. Um, he was indicted on rape and kidnapping charges that September after sitting in jail for two years. He was able to post a $3 million bond. Um, he skated on those allegations, however, because the charges were dropped just due to lack of evidence. Um, this man got a pattern. You don't he say. He's been doing this for years, and we're only talking about cases that he was actually caught on because somebody reported it. It's no telling how many may have happened that nobody said anything are we done with mystical? Is the danger apparent at this time? And how we gonna feel, what are we going to do? How are we going to deal with people who say free mystical? Watch yourself because you out your motherfucking mind. <laughs> no, you're not free and mystical for nothing. Not, 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 on, not on God's green earth. Um, Y'all know I say this oftentimes. Hammurabi's code needs to be reenacted. 
You like to rape people? Well, then how about we go ahead and do this public castration? And I don't have no other comments on it because I'm disgusted by this man. It's made me sick. I'm almost ready to vomit. Like, honestly, fuck you, Mr. Cole. You're a disgusting human being. Yeah, don't have much to add. Absolutely disgusting. I hope we can all just move on. I hope he... I hope he does not skate. I hope that he's convicted because he clearly is a predator. Um, and again, we've known this for what, two decades now. So um, we need to get him off the streets because yeah, he really is a danger to society. So yeah. We need him gone y'all. And I'm side-eyeing everybody who was close to him and around because I'm really gonna find it hard to believe that y'all didn't see nothing, smell nothing, feel, sense nothing that was going on. Y'all have at least seen him be violent or aggressive towards some women in your presence. This is too much for this man to have been doing over so long that don't nobody know nothing. Wait, what was the lyric? Uh, oh, something about leaving here with my dick in my hand. Be cool. Yeah. Go ahead, though. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> he told y'all in the music that he was on that bullshit. And see, well, it's funny to me. Real quick tangent, how we talk about, oh, well, it's just entertainment. It's just music. It's just whatever. Art imitate life, y'all. In most situations, art imitate life. So if man is, if a man or anybody is talking about violence in their music, even if they're just telling the stories of somebody else, Rick Ross, um, they're somewhere along in their real life, the fool I lie is happening. Quote unquote, I dropped some off in a drink and she ain't even know it. Mm. Like I yeah. I'm I, to Auntie Nick point. I'm side eyeing everybody, and at this point, I'm about to start side eyeing people that still listen to their damn music because you you allowing certain shit in your spirit, and it's not okay. And allowing him to make money and post that three million dollar bond, I guess. I mean, I, I just don't want. I, I need to know for sure how can we make sure he don't make no money. And I'm and if one of y'all post this man bond, you might as well go move in with him because you we do what you do. It's probably going to be a black woman that do post his bond. That's a whole other podcast for another day. All right, moving on. Auntie Kaylee is going to close us out of the menu this week. Auntie Kaylee, what we got? Okay, so a North Carolina Chick-fil-A is receiving backlash after attempting to compensate volunteers with chicken. The ad stated, we are looking for volunteers for our new drive through express, earn five free entrees per shift worked, um, and they have in parentheses uh, that it's a one-hour shift. Um, and so the store posted this on Facebook. Uh, so the post garnered hundreds of comments, which many people criticizing Chick-fil-A, saying that they believe that this uh, violated the Fair Labor Standards Act. Um, and so in response to the criticism, Chick-fil-A stated that uh, that this was a volunteer-based opportunity, which means people can opt in to volunteer if they think it's a good fit for them. So what do y'all think? I mean, I think when I first heard the story, like paying people in chicken, I was like, hell no. However, if this is a volunteer situation for a good cause, I come and I volunteer for two hours and then they give me a free sandwich. I think that's just good business and goodwill of the community. I came out, helped the community. I got a chicken sandwich. Deuces. I don't know. I don't see what the big issue is. What do y'all think? Yeah, I think initially when I read, when the way they were, the way they were headlining the story was that they're trying to pay employees and chicken. These are not employees. These are volunteers. Um, I guess, like, yeah, like, if I just was like, hey, I'm going to go do an hour over here and get me some lunch, um, then that's my choice. 
They're not forcing people to do it. They're not asking people to work full shifts. They're not even allowing people to work that long. Um, like they said, it's just an hour, you know, you can do, and then you got to be on your way. That I think that's pretty fair. Um, yeah, if I had time and I, I was like, I'm going to do an hour and give you some free, not free, I work for it, food. Why not? I think this is good for people who may be a little less fortunate um, and maybe have the time. I would love to see like homeless people be able to take advantage of this and at least get a, a meal. Um, and maybe if they do a good job, possibly get a job out of the situation. I don't know. It's different. I, I, I guess I gotta, gotta see how it works out. It's different. But after, like Kaylee said, after the details came out, it was not as salacious as it seemed by the headlines. How much chicken was being given for an hour of one time? <laughs> I believe this one sandwich per shift worked. So earn five free entrees per, no, earn five free entrees per shift worked. So is that five times one? I don't know. <laughs> Whether it was one chicken sandwich or five chicken sandwiches or five combinations of the different entrees that they have, I'm not sure that the actual cost um, of obtaining said chicken and the other uh, ingredients associated with that food, I'm not sure that that is consummate to one hour of someone's time. Now, I I, I am an agreement. Okay, it's a volunteer opportunity, so you're making a choice. At the same time, if I'm a company owner, and especially a company that has been operating in the black at least since 2014, because Chick-fil-A made $5.1 billion in profit in 2014 and had intentions of making upwards of $10 billion in profit by 2020, which I am more than sure that they accomplished, based off of how many Chick-fil-A stores are being opened on a yearly basis, which increased from 60 stores per year in 2014, but now close to 85 stores per year, and it now costs $10,000 to open Chick-fil-A instead of the $5,000 that it used to cost to open Chick-fil-A. I'm not sure that as a business owner in this circumstance, that that is consummate to someone's actual total hour of time. But again, if you're making a choice, you want to go up there and work for the chicken, eat more chicken, what can chicken do for you, then that's your choice. But I just find it a little bit interesting that they would think that either one to five chicken sandwiches is consummate to actual proper compensation, even in a volunteer circumstance, to someone's entire hour of labor. And I don't know if they outlined this arc, uh, in, this, uh, in this article what kind of labor they would be doing. Because all I can say is allegedly working in a Chick-fil-A is very hard work because they have to split those fillets by hand. There are no knives back there to cut. That lemonade is made by hand. They squeeze the lemons by hand. Um, and I'm not going to disrespect the fact that Chick-fil-A is one of the higher, if not the highest paid fast food uh, jobs that you can get. And they do, for all intents and purposes, for the most part, take care of their staff and them owner operators make an obnoxious amount of money, typically upwards of $10,000 a month. At the same time, again, my question is, is the amount of food that you are providing them for an hour of labor consonant to that hour based off of what you're asking them to do? That's the only question that I have. But you know what? It's fine. Check it ain't. But most volunteer work ain't. Fair enough. If, even if they volunteer in like, a soup kitchen or, you know, the, the amount that you have to pay somebody to do it. Would be way more than it would be the amount that you would. But soup kitchen, Chick Fil A, it's two different things. But I'm just volunteering is volunteering. It's, it's people you you signing up to do something that you are not required to do. I mean, like, I'm I carry my ass over to Chick Fil A 
tomorrow and be like, hey, put me on for an hour. I didn't have to do that. I'm choosing to do it. Honestly, though, y'all could have had some of the corporate staff at the office off of Buffington, uh, Buffington Road to come do that shit. You didn't have to request volunteers, but it's fine. That's y'all that's, that's business, and Chick-fil-A is a private organization, so do as you will. As long as y'all volunteers give me that same good service and I'm messing myself up and put my right sauces in my bag, I'm good. Which, speaking of, have y'all noticed since the pandemic started that Chick-fil-A don't be following instructions at every location? I have. And sometimes them fries and them tenders be a little chilly? I have. I, I, I done prayed about it. Because <laughs> I used to, I used to like number one, you know, Chick Fil A didn't really make no mistakes like that. And if they did, I'll be like, man, that must have been God's plan. Because only that's the only way Chick Fil A would get it wrong is if it was God's will. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, when I look at my bag and I don't see no condiments, and I'm like, dude, y'all specifically asked me how many of what did I want, and I don't see none in here. Like is the devil infiltrating Chick Fil A? I'm. I feel like, you know, he at work here. So I, you know, where's the my pleasure? This isn't for my pleasure. <laughs> maybe it was the volunteers. Maybe they had the volunteers. Maybe it was the volunteers. Maybe I got some of the volunteers that day. <laughs> People out here working for sandwiches. I'm about to ask to be sure. Are you a volunteer or a paid employee? Period. S. Troy Kathy would have never allowed this level of um, inconsistent service to happen. So I'm just asking, can somebody go tap Dan Kathy on the shoulder and ask him, what's going on? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I guess we'll see what happens. It might work. It might not. I don't know how long this would last. You know, if this is a long-term plan type thing. Who knows? Um, but I do know we got a new book of the month. Yes, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. All right. It brings us to the end of the show, end of the menu, bottom of the show. So we got a new book of the month for the month of August. Kirby, what we got? Yes, we have Black Girls Must Die Exhausted, a novel by Jane Allen. Um, it is actually a book that's a part of a trilogy, which includes um, Black Girls Must Be Magic and Seven Days in June, um, which includes Tia Williams. But uh, I found this and I thought it was really, really interesting. So this is a fiction book. Uh, we've been doing a lot of nonfiction, so I figured let's try something different. Um, and one of the reviews here says, if her opening salvo is any indication, Alan promises to show the relentlessness of the trauma of Black women, uh, what they deal with every day, leaving with the solidarity of friends who can relate. Um, so I'm excited to read this. I love uh, the graphics of the novel. You can find it um, on all of your platforms, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, etc., um, but again, the title of that book is Black Girls Must Die Exhausted, a novel by Jane Allen. Um, and to get a little bit a little bit more context, the first of a three-book series about a young Black woman who faced with an unexpected infertility diagnosis must navigate her romantic life, her professional ambitions, and complex family matters with the help of her two longtime friends. And I'm looking forward to deep diving into this because I can only imagine because we know how people get when a Black woman can't have a child. <laughs> Lord, mm. especially nowadays. Listen. All right. Well, I'm interested in this one. I, I've never heard of this book or this series. So this is new for me. I'm excited to dive into this and see what we got. Jane Allen. That'll be a new author for me. Yeah. 
All right. Sometimes you go get your food. You're excited to eat it. You sit down. You open up your box. You take a bite, and your fries ain't even hot. Turn. We like to call them let goes. All right, Kirby. I think you got a, a very specific let go for this yeah. week. Yeah. So um, I'm going to do my best to be succinct with this, but I'm letting go of betrayal. Um, too many times in our lives, we betray ourselves. Um, and we betray each other, um, whether it's through self-sabotaging, not believing in oneself, insecurity, not taking opportunities uh, that we know are meant for us, not being courageous in the moments when we need to be courageous, not standing firm in our boundaries, we need to stand firm in our boundaries. And so, yeah, I want to let go of betrayal, self-betrayal and betrayal by others. Um, a lot of times when we betray, our, betray ourselves, we then allow others to betray us, uh, whether it be lack of loyalty lack of proper communication, like I said, lack of boundaries, um, allowing people to manipulate us um, out of our inheritance um, in, this, in this life. And our inheritance includes decency and respect and love and nurturing. Um, and so I would just say, you know, I, I know I'm tired of self-betrayal um, and I would hope that anybody listening to this that ever watches this understands that self-betrayal um, is the first betrayal and everything else is secondary and tertiary to that. So I'm definitely letting go of self-betrayal um, and betrayal in general. Stop stopping yourself. Stop getting in your own way. Betrayal. Mm -hmm. Letting go of betrayal inc to include self-betrayal. Mm -hmm. All right. I receive it. Letting it go. Excellent. All right. Um, sometimes we go to the function, get a little bite to eat, but as a little leftover, we like to wrap that up in some good old aluminum foil or a styrofoam box, take it home, put it in the refrigerator, eat off of it. A little bit later, we like to call that a good old to-go box. Something we want to leave you with positive for the week. Auntie Kaylee, hook us up with a good old to-go box. Ooh. Well, I think I have been uh, spending time with my parents' dog, Stryker. Uh, he's not next to me anymore, but uh, he popped up a couple of times during the episode. <laughs> Um, and I've had them for a little less than two weeks. And it's just been such a joy. Um, I almost always have like a pet or a dog. It's like the first time not having a dog in my home. So I just encourage everyone to explore adopting a pet. Uh, do not go to dog breeders. There are many adorable pets. Um, it's been awesome for me, getting me up and out, uh, you know, encouraging me to take my daily walks, uh, not five miles, but uh, yeah, Strucker wouldn't appreciate that. But, I mean, it's healthy, emotionally, physically. So, adopt a pet. <laughs> I like to, yes. I love pets. Just <sighs> And they help create structure in your life sometimes if you're willing to, to put forth the effort, especially with a dog. Like, I'm not ready for a dog yet. I, you know, Nipsey, y'all hear her, you know, sometimes, you know, gallivanting around the house. Cats are a little bit more independent, a little bit more um, uh, self uh, dealing or whatever, but a dog in particular, um, especially the level of affection that a dog can provide for you, that can be very, very comforting. So I'm definitely here for that. And I'm looking for one and I'm going to try my best to stay away from breeders, but I also, like I said earlier in the episode, I'm looking for a personal protection dog, which may force me to go to a breeder at some point because my dog's going to bite. Everybody <laughs> find the pet that's right for you. Yes. Um, and I wish this good on everyone except Sean King. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else, I hope you go find your perfect pet. Whether it's an iguana, an ant farm, 
Uh-uh. A dog, a cat, a, a bird. I mean, whatever your perfect pet is, but it's something <laughs> about them, them cuddly little the puppies and kittens, though. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I grew up with I grew up with birds and dogs and fish. I probably will never have a fish or a bird again. Birds are a lot of work. You got to clean their shit up. Um, now and they will, live forever. Like girl, so live forever. Listen, and especially not no parakeets. Luckily, I was blessed and not had to deal with parakeets as a child. But them motherfuckers be chirping all day long, all night, all day. What, like, what's the ones that be telling your business? Parrots. Okay, yeah. <laughs> African greys. Yeah. They yeah. Those people. I guess it's they they, they repeat something like because they they mimic sound so they can literally say what you said mm-hmm. and they they it be your own bird at the wrong time. And some of them live literally like 60, 70 years. Yeah, sometimes they're out with the owners. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Most of our doves that we had in our family live anywhere from 15 to 25 years. One of the doves is still with a family member uh, that my grandmother, her last dove, um, is still with a family member now. So, yeah. Yeah, My grandparents had birds and dogs. Yeah. It was really interesting. Wow. Okay. So, pets. They have a special place in a lot of our hearts, and we're falling in love with Stryker He's right now. Little <laughs> baby, something with a heartbeat. Get you a pet rock, cause some of y'all. Anyway. Yeah, maybe we'll do an episode on pets and stuff um, <laughs> in the future and find like interesting angles to talk about that. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we are at the end of the show. Thank you, ladies, for your amazing commentary. Y'all are so intelligent. Just always have such. Wonderful things to add. Um, Kirby, can you let the people know where they can find us and where they can connect with us? Absolutely. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram at Extra Crispy Extra Wet. We're also on TikTok. The aunties are figuring that out at Extra Crispy Extra Wet. <laughs> you also can email, email us your comments, questions, concerns, and emotional outbursts to hello at extracrispyextrawet.com and join us every Wednesday during active, season, active seasons uh, at Extra Wet Wednesdays on Instagram at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We appreciate you all continuing to engage and rock with us. We want to continue to bring you Extra Crispy Extra Wet content. So let us know what you all want to hear, what you like and what you don't like. We're growing we grown so we can take criticism. Um, we just appreciate you all. We love you so much. And uh, yeah, keep it extra crispy and keep it extra wet. And we'll uh, we'll see you all soon. Hand it back over to Auntie Nick. Are all hearts and minds clear? Crystal. Anything else? All right, we clear. Like Auntie Kirby said, we appreciate you guys again. Y'all could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. Make sure you subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. Hit us up on Instagram. Like I said, we're figuring out that TikTok. We're gonna get there, y'all. Don't worry, um, the auntie is just a little late to that party. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to see y'all on Extra Wet Wednesdays. We're going to have some good topics coming, some good conversation to communicate on. Until then, we don't like to say goodbye. We like to keep it straight ATL. And we just say, all right then, shall we? Okay.